This is The Kingdom at Hand from Hosanna Free Lutheran Church in St. James, Minnesota, and I'm Pastor Joe Faldette. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that you would be blessed through this and that God would be at work in your souls as you continue to grow in him. Our sermon text today is Psalm 11, and I read in Jesus' name. To the choir master of David, In the Lord I take refuge. How can you say to my soul, Flee like a bird to the mountain. For behold, the wicked bend the bow. They have fitted their arrow to the string to shoot in the dark at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes see, his eyelids test the children of man. The Lord tests the righteous, but his soul hates the wicked and the one who loves violence. Let him rain coals on the wicked, fire and sulfur, and a scorching wind shall be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteous deeds. The upright shall behold his face. Let us pray. Father, as we come now to meditate on your word, to apply these truths into our lives, to understand what you have here for us, we thank you. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the richness of it, and I thank you for the stability of it. I pray that we would stand upon it to the glory of your name. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So instead of continuing with Judges this Sunday, since I'm actually going to be on vacation, and this is just pre-recorded, uh, and it's going to be broadcast out, instead of having Judges be the broadcast sermon, I decided that I would do something different, and then next week we will do Judges uh, continue our discussion and judges for the broadcast sermon. But this week we're going to be looking at, as we look at Psalm 11, uh, it's something that God's really been stirring in my heart. This, this need that we have as Christians to, to be bold and really to stand because we're in a time when the world is terrified. The world is terrified. They don't know up from down. They don't know left from light, right. They're terrified. They're not going to lift their heads up. They're not going to move forward. They're not going to pursue. They're not going to pursue life, really. They're going to hide from death. But as Christians, we have this call now to stand. And that's what David is talking about here. This is the promise that David has for our world. This is the promise that King David has for us. And so what is this promise? We don't know exactly when this psalm took place. It could have been during the time of Absalom, you know, when he attacked David. But it could have been any other time because David was always, um, well, almost always surrounded by dangers. And especially in his formative years, he was surrounded by dangers. Dangers from lions and bears, dangers from Philistines, dangers from Saul, dangers from his countrymen. You know, he was surrounded by dangers, dangers from the other uh, the other nations around. And so as David interacted with these dangers, the way that he interacted with them teaches us how we are to interact with them. So the first thing that David says, in the Lord I take refuge. And so this means that David isn't going to be looking for safety in the things of this world. Rather, David is going to be looking to the Lord for safety. This is the foundation of this whole psalm. The Lord is my refuge. The Lord. It's not walls. It's not cities. It's not places. It's not people. It's not my own power and prowess. It's the Lord. 
The Lord is my refuge. He is the one that I seek. He is the one that I hide in. He is the one that gives me safety. He is the one that gives me comfort. He is the one that I know will be there, be there in front of me, be there behind me. He is the one that hedges me in so that I don't have to be worried. I don't have to fear. The Lord is my refuge. I'm going to stand because the Lord is my refuge. That's what David is saying. When he says the Lord, he's speaking about the specific person of God, Jesus, the Lord, the one who interacts with us, the God who interacts with humanity. The Lord is my refuge. And the Lord desires to be your refuge too. And that's such a great promise. But how does that play out then? What does that mean? Well, David starts out with a temptation. So as he declares where he stands, And now, where he stands, he becomes a witness to the whole world. He says, the Lord is my refuge. I'm going to be a witness to the whole world. I'm going to show the world what the Lord can do. And so the Lord is my refuge. And then he goes into the temptations. The temptations that come, the temptations that have come to him, and the temptations then that come to us. Flee like a bird to the mountains. Flee like a bird to your mountain. And so, this, David is quoting someone else speaking. Someone speaking to him saying, flee like a bird to your mountain. What does that mean? Get away from danger. Where danger is, birds fly away. You know, that's how they interact with it. They get out of there. They are, uh, they are fleers. And so, you know, the fight or flight sort of response that we get from adrenaline, birds are the ones that run away. They fly away and they fly away to the mountain. They fly away to a place that's safe. They fly away to a place where it, only they can reach. So the temptation that David is is being handed here. It's this temptation to go where only you can be. You know, and this is what we're seeing nowadays. This is actually the temptation that exists within America. Be in your homes. Be in your homes because there you're safe. Be in your homes because there you're separated. Be in your homes because there the government and the coronavirus, they can't get you. Be in your homes. Flee like a bird to your mountain. Flee like a bird to that place where you feel safe. Make sure that the walls are closed in on you so that you can't be in an open place because there you will be seen and there you could be attacked. But in your home, you're safe. That's what we're being told. In the mountain, you're safe where everything is walled in around you. Where you're in a cave or in a pit or in a hole or in a cistern or in something like that. Where you're in the, the woods and nobody can see you. Get away from all people. There you'll be safe. That's the temptation that David's being handed right now. David says, how can you say that? The Lord is my refuge. How can you say that I have to flee from humanity? That I have to go into a hidden place? How can you say that? David rejects that. For behold... The wicked bend the bow. They have fitted their arrow to the string to shoot in the dark at the upright in heart. Behold, that Hebrew word means look. Really look. Imagine yourself there. Picture yourself there. Behold. Behold. Enter into the situation. See what's going on around you. David is saying, the Lord is my refuge. I'm looking vertically. And then this this person, this tempter, Coming to David is saying, no, don't look up, look down. Look down. Look at the people around you. Look horizontally. Look, the wicked are there. Look, the wicked are bending the bow. Look, they're trying to shoot at you. Look, they're going to shoot at you in the dark. 
They're going to get you when you're not prepared. They're going to get you when you can't see, and they're going to shoot you to shoot in the dark at the upright in heart. And they're aiming for you. They're aiming for your type of people. That's what's going on here. And, and the tempter is saying, look horizontally. Look at the people around you. Look at the wicked. Look at the danger. You have to flee to the mountain because look, there's danger. But David's response stands, how can you say to me? How can you say to my soul, look at these people? The Lord is my refuge. What do these people mean in comparison to the Lord? I'm not going to look there. There's dangers all around us all the time. All the time. Dangers everywhere. Dangers to the left, dangers to the right. They're always there. The only reason that we're not terrified out of our skulls is because we don't see them. We're not, they're not being brought to our attention. But here, the tempter is saying, look, there's danger, look, there's danger, look, there's danger, look, there's danger. You have to flee away because there's danger. David says, the Lord is my refuge. I don't have to worry about what's going on horizontally. I don't have to be terrified of that. I'm going to trust the Lord. I'm going to look vertically. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Oh, this is a good temptation. This is a temptation that I felt. It's probably a temptation that you felt. So what happens then if I become destroyed? What happens if I die? You know, what happens if something happens to me? If the foundations are destroyed, if the one who built this is destroyed, what happens to me? What happens then? What happens in that situation? What do we do? What do we do? And here comes the, really the foundation of the bedrock temptation. Because if you're not in this, everything's going to fall apart. You are necessary. You are so necessary. Okay, fine. You're not going to flee away. You need to flee away. And these dangers are here. And these dangers, they're going to destroy you. Um, but if they destroy us, no big deal. But if they destroy you, then we're all lost. We're all lost. You're being selfish by taking these risks upon yourself. You're being selfish. Don't take those risks. Because what happens if something happens to you? David says, the Lord is my refuge. How can you say that? The Lord is my refuge. David's saying, I'm not the foundation. I'm not the foundation. It's the Lord. I'm not the one that the righteous should be relying on. It's the Lord. I'm not the one that people should be standing upon and building upon. It's the Lord. It's the Lord. And Paul tells us that that which we have laid in his name to his glory, it will be tested. It will be tried. And that which is bad will be burned. But that which is good will stay. And that which is good is a proper representation of the Lord. And so that which properly represents the Lord, it will stand and it will be built on. Not because of the builder, but because of what it's built on. It's built on Christ. So Paul lays the foundation as a master builder, he says. But that foundation isn't Paul. Notice that. The foundation's not me. The foundation's not you. 
If you're here holding it all together and it's going to fall apart when you leave, that means that you're the foundation that's not built on Christ. David's saying, the Lord is my refuge. How can you say this? How can you say if the foundations are destroyed, what will the righteous do? The righteous need to trust God. And so it's holding fast to that promise of God that gives us the strength and that gives us the ability and that gives us the confidence and gives us the guidance as to how to make the Lord our refuge. And so I encourage you this day. Actually, I command you this day. In Jesus' name, make the Lord your refuge. Well, what does that mean? How do we do that? That means we seek out the promises and the commands of God. We seek out those things. We seek out the strict promises of God. I can't say, the Lord is my refuge, therefore I'm not going to work. Because does God tell me to work? Yeah. Then I'm not trusting in the Lord. If I'm mis- well, not even misinterpreting it, but if I am going astray in my reliance on the Lord. The Lord says, he who does not work shall not eat. So, if I'm not putting labor into this, if I'm not working towards these ends, then whew, I'm not living in obedience to the Lord. Well, the Lord's going to provide for me. It's oftentimes, he provides through our labor. And so when I say the Lord is my refuge, that means that I live in submission to the Lord. That means I humble myself before Him and walk in His ways and fulfill the vocations that He's given to me. That means that I hold fast His promises, but then I make sure that they actually are promises. That they're not just something that someone told me somewhere along the line. Because you know what? We can't trust those people necessarily. We have the Word of God. We have the Word of God. And I don't care which country you're listening to this in. If you're listening to this in a foreign country, speaking a foreign language, but understanding me, you have the Word of God in a language at least you can understand. God has given you that. God has given us this, and so we have no excuse as modern Christians. Are there people in this world who don't have the Word of God in their language? Absolutely. And that's why we send out missionaries. And that's why we pray. And that's why we give that God's Word might go out into this world and spread and grow into this world and change this world. But we who have God's Word, we have zero excuse. Zero. Like, well, my pastor never taught me that. But you have the Word of God. You don't have to rely on your pastor. Read the Bible. And as you interact with the promises of God, seek out the promises of God. What has God promised us? What has God promised us in Christ? What does that look like? What does that mean? That means that I don't have to fear. Hardships will come. Absolutely. But I don't have to be afraid. Those hardships are a promise. But God's presence is a promise as well. So then we get into that. Where is the Lord? Where is the Lord during this time? If I have to take refuge, that means that there are dangers around me. And as there are dangers around me, what do I do? Where is the Lord? Why has the Lord given me dangers? Why do they exist? The Lord was so good, there wouldn't be dangers, right? 
the Lord was so good, wouldn't life be easy? Wouldn't life be a piece of cake? Wouldn't we be moving from bliss to bliss to bliss? Once we get bored of this bliss, we'll move to this bliss. And once we get bored of that one, we'll move to this one. And it's just joy upon joy upon joy. No, that's not the world. But if God was good, wouldn't that be the world? No. That would be terrible. Be nothing to strive against. Be nothing to grow into. And so then David starts talking about this. Where is the Lord? The Lord is in his holy temple. Oh, what does that mean? So this is poetry. The Lord is in his holy temple. What does that mean? Well, what's the purpose of the temple? So this isn't Solomon's temple. The Lord is in his holy temple. And so he is there where prayers are heard. So that was the purpose of the temple, the tabernacle. You know, the place of God's dwelling. That's what the temple is. The place of God's dwelling. His, he is in his temple. He is hearing prayers. That's what we went to the temple for. That's why they, they prayed towards the temple. That's why the Muslims pray towards Mecca. You know, because that's where Allah is seated. Kind of. But that's why the Jews would pray towards the temple. That's what Solomon asks in his dedication of his temple. The temple that he builds to the Lord that people would turn to it and pray. And so David is saying, the Lord is in his temple. The Lord is hearing prayers. The Lord hasn't abandoned his people. This is what's going on. This is what's happening. The Lord is hearing prayers. And this day, if you are a Christian, that means you are the temple of the Lord. The Holy Spirit dwells within you. And so any worry, any fear, any concern, any hope, any dream, any desire, you can bring that to the Lord. Any pain, any problem, you can bring that to the Lord because the Lord dwells within you. You can come to God in Jesus' name and ask Him for whatever you want. Tell him everything that's going on. Don't let these things reside in you as foreign gods. Rather, bring them to dedica in dedication to the Lord. Give them to the Lord. For he dwells within you. You are his temple. So we come to God in Jesus' name. Meaning that we come to God trusting Jesus as we come to God as robed in Christ. And God hears. The Lord is in His temple. He hasn't abandoned His people. The Lord's throne is in heaven. So this is another declaration of the power of God. The Lord's throne is in heaven. He is so far above all of the stuff going on in this world. None of these things have any power or any authority against God. His throne is in heaven. Good luck overthrowing that. He is there. He is reigning in heaven above all of these things, interacting with all of these things. He is above our governor. He is above our president. He is above our Supreme Court. He is above the UN. He is above every institution that exists within this world. God is above that. He is bigger than that. He is more powerful than that. He could crush it in an instant. In an instant. This is God. Why should I be afraid? The Lord's enthroned in heaven. You know, what's Governor Walls going to do against him? He's powerless. 
What's President Trump going to do against the Lord? He's powerless. What's the Prime Minister of China? The leader of China. I actually don't know what his title is right now. What's he going to do against God? Powerless. So I can take refuge in the Lord. Because the people in this world are powerless against the Lord. Because the Lord is enthroned in heaven. And the Lord is in his temple. So he hears our prayers. His eyes see. That's a promise. You're not forgotten by God. His eyelids test the children of men. So why is this happening? Why why is this happening? Why are we struggling? If the Lord is hearing the prayers of His people, if the Lord is enthroned on high, if the Lord is in control of all of these things, if the Lord sees me and He sees our fear and He sees our pain and He sees our hardship, why is this stuff happening? God says, because I'm testing you. I'm testing you. I'm testing you not for my sake, but for yours. I'm testing you. I see you. I already know you. I'm testing you. This is what's going on. I'm testing you. Oh. So these hardships aren't because God has forgotten about us? These hardships aren't because God isn't hearing our prayers. These hardships aren't because I'm hidden from God. These hardships aren't because someone has somehow figured out how to nullify the work of God in this world. These hardships aren't because of that. No. No, the Lord is still in his temple. The Lord is still enthroned in heaven. The Lord is still seen. So what's going on? The Lord is testing so that we might know us. Because God already sees us. But we need to know who we are. We need to know who we are. And that only comes out through testing. God sees all the way through. But things got to get hot for us to be able to see. Things got to get hot. Things got to get hard. Things have to be difficult in order for us to see that which is, exists within us. Sometimes we got to be melted and broken down so that that yuck, that dross can rise to the surface so that it can be swept off, so that it can be confessed and repented of. Those things which exist within our hearts, that they would be brought to God because otherwise we won't see them. God knows that they're in there, but it's in the time of struggle and difficulty and trial that that which is inside of us actually comes forth. That's when we see it. So Christians, stand because you're being tested. And don't worry. God will separate. God will create a division. The Lord tests the righteous, but his soul hates the wicked, the one who loves violence. So God's approach to these people is different to us, to the righteous, and to the unrighteous. God approaches us differently. It might be the exact same thing. It might be the coronavirus and the coronavirus can strike the righteous and the coronavirus can strike the wicked. Absolutely. The coronavirus can do that. But why does it strike the righteous? Why are we inundated with this as well? It's to test us. To see where we hope and where we trust. To see if we hold fast to the promises of God. 
to see if we submit to the wisdom of God. To see that. Are you going to walk with God in the midst of this fear and in the midst of sickness? Are you going to rely upon the Lord? Are you going to hold fast to His promises? Are you going to submit to His commands? Are you going to fulfill the vocation that God has given you as an American, as a person who knows God? As a mother, as a father, as a husband, as a wife, are you going to fulfill that vocation? Are you going to follow the commands of God? Or are you going to rebel against God? Or are you going to fall into wishful thinking? Well, if I pray, pray enough, then it won't come. No, God doesn't say that. Paul faced sickness and illness. So did Timothy. But the way that God approaches the, right, the wicked it might be the same attack. It might be the same exact temptation. It might be the same exact external force. It might be government. It might be the coronavirus. I don't care. What's it going to do to the wicked? It's going to break them. Because the Lord hates the wicked and the one who loves violence. But his soul hates the wicked. That which is central in God, his soul. That which animates God, his soul. Hates the wicked. The one who loves violence. That's the wrath of God. So that which is a test for the Christian, that which is a beloved thing brought to us so that we can finally get rid of the sin that lives within our lives, so that we can finally confess our fear, so that we can draw near to God, so that we're driven closer to God, to the wicked, it's going to destroy them because they're not coming to God. Because that's the distinction. The righteous turn back to the Lord. When they're confronted with their sin, they turn back to the Lord. They come to the Lord in repentance. They come to the Lord in confession. They come to the Lord and receive forgiveness. They come to the Lord and receive strength. The wicked, they rely upon themselves. They deny the power of God. They deny the love of God. And so then they fight in this world as the wicked, the ones that love violence. And we exist in a world where we have lots of people who love violence. You can see that. It's coming out in our media now. And it's coming out in our politics. We see how they inflict violence upon each other. We're seeing this. And so what's God's promise about the violent? He says those who rely upon earthly power. That's what violence is. Violence ultimately is earthly power. Those who rely upon earthly powers. God says, I hate them. I hate the wicked. It's quite a statement. It's like, I thought God was a God of love. Yeah, he is. Towards those who seek him. But to those who drive him away. To those who seek to gain his power for themselves. To control others. What does he do? How does he approach them? In hatred. Because they have rejected him. They've rejected him. They've rejected his ways. They've rejected his rule. So God approaches them in hatred. So that's why we as Christians, we need to call them. We have an obligation then. This is our vocation. This is our calling to share the gospel with them. That there's a better way that they could be forgiven because if they're not forgiven, if they don't come to Christ, if they don't repent and submit themselves to God, they're going to be destroyed. 
their portion is going to be emptiness. Let him rain coals on the wicked. Fire and sulfur and a scorching wind shall be the portion of their cup. We need to warn the wicked. This is what they will get. This is why we need to stand, because we need to warn the wicked. We need to have a platform. And when everyone else hides, then the, then the righteous have a platform. Because we don't have to hide. We don't have to hide. The righteous don't have to hide. We can tell the wicked, be careful. Be warned. Be warned. If you continue to walk in your ways, the Lord will destroy you. This will be your portion. This is what God is sending upon you. He is sending destruction. He is sending nothing but pain and turmoil and suffering. That's what you're going to receive for your wickedness. That's going to be your wages. That's going to be what you earn in this. If you think you're going to gain power over this world by using violence, you'll be destroyed. You'll be destroyed. So repent. If you fall into that camp, repent. Come to God. He offers forgiveness. He offers grace. He offers love. He offers testing. Absolutely. But he offers himself. The Lord is righteous. This is who he is. He is that which defines righteousness. He is that which defines goodness. He is that which defines love. The Lord is righteous. So you can't be with the Lord if you're walking in violence, if you're walking in wickedness, if you're trusting in the things of this world. You can't be walking with the Lord at that time because the Lord is righteous and he hates those things. And because you live in those things, your, his hatred is upon you too because the Lord is righteous. He loves righteous deeds. So walk in those. Walk in those. He who is righteous loves righteous deeds. That's obvious. So walk in righteousness. Walk in humility before the Lord. Walk in submission before him. Walk in faith before him. Trusting him in all aspects of your life. This is what we're called to do. The upright shall behold his face. What does he offer to the upright? Comfort. Safety. Protection. Glory. Grace. Love. Peace. Joy. Faithfulness. Goodness. Gentleness. Kindness. Self-control. He offers these things to us in himself. These are the fruits of the Spirit. This is what God offers to us. Does he offer us ease? No. No. Does he offer us peace in this world? Peace of this world? No. He offers us a different sort. He offers us peace between him and us. Not between us and the world. Because he's not at peace with the world. They're warring. And if we side with God, the world's going to war against us. But the world doesn't war against us because we're somehow bad, but because they don't want God. So why does the world war with the Christian? Because the Christian sided with God. It makes sense. If you get the world to not war against you, you're not sided with God. The Lord offers us himself. The upright shall behold his face. We shall be in his presence. 
This is what God offers us. And this is why David can say, I don't need the safeties that this world provides. I don't need the, pre- the peace that this world offers. The peace of assimilation. I don't need that. Because the Lord is my refuge. So today, Christian, stand. Stand on the promises of God. Hold fast to the promises of God. Because the Lord is in his temple. And the Lord is seated on his throne. And the Lord does see. And the Lord is testing to divide, to purify. So Christians, stand. The Lord is our refuge. Amen. Let us pray. Father, thank you. We thank you that we can trust you, that you are our refuge. Blessed be your name. Father, blessed be your name. Reveal yourself to us. We thank you for revealing yourself to us in your word. Blessed be your name. Lord, let us stand. Let us not fear. Let us stand. May you be glorified in us then. We praise you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.